Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've all been there. You're standing in the beer aisle staring at the same selection that was there last week and just wishing you could try something different. That's where Tavor comes in. Tavor is the best and easiest way for you to get the beers that you can't find in your favorite bottle shop. No need to hunt down people to trade with or worry about sending some sketchy guy a PayPal account hoping that he delivers on the bottle that you want. Tavor has your back. They only work with independent breweries, so there's no risk of getting suckered into buying an InBev beer pretending to be a craft brew. And it's insanely easy. Just sign up for your free account, Download the Tavor app for your Android or iPhone, and you'll get notifications when new beers are ready. Just go to the app and click Get It, and they'll put the quantity requested aside for you and ship it to your door. You can ship as many beers as you want for a flat fee, and you can schedule your delivery as soon as one week and as late as five after you select the beer you want to buy. And now, fans of Craft Brood Sports can get $10 in credit after you buy your first beer through Tavor.com. Just go to our website, craftbrewsports.com, and click the Tavor link in the menu bar. Create your free account, and after your first beer is shipped out, you'll see a $10 credit hit your account. There's no commitment, no contract, no gimmicks, just great beer delivered directly to your door. Drinking beer and watching sports is pretty awesome, and one of the few things on par is drinking beer and playing video games. But dropping all that cash on games that end up collecting dust after you're done with them sucks. But there's no sense in trading in old games unless you really want 25 cents off your new one. There's a better way, Gamefly. Gamefly has over 8,000 new releases and classics available to rent for Xbox One, Xbox 360, PS4, PS3, PS Vita, Wii U, Wii, and 3DS, as well as older systems. As a Gamefly member, you can rent as many console and handheld games as you want and get them delivered right to your mailbox for one low monthly fee. And if you like a game so much that you don't want to send it back, you can keep it for a low-use price. There are never any due dates or late fees, and Gamefly also offers the ability to rent Blu-ray and DVD movies as part of the regular service at no extra charge. And right now, Gamefly is offering fans of Craft Brood Sports a premium, free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To get that free trial started today, just go to GameflyOffer.com slash Sports. That's GameflyOffer.com slash Sports, Or just head on over to our website, CraftRootSports.com, and click the Gamefly link in the menu bar. This is Bronson Arroyo from the Cincinnati Reds, and you're listening to Craft Brood Sports with Scott and Mike. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Craft Brood Sports. I am Mike. With me, as always, 
My main man, Scott. man behind the computer is Joe. It's Craft Root Sports. Scott, welcome back, man. You ready to uh, tap this keg of sports knowledge? For the next 100, we pump up one. <laughs> Deal, man. Good to have you back, man. I missed last week. Good to have you guys back, it was man. Weird. It was weird being off. Joe, good seeing you again, man. How you doing? Hey, guys. My weeks don't flow the same without the schedule. I know. The it's, schedule everything's all it's messed up when we're not doing the show. Uh, I'm not even going to mess around here with, with uh, small talk. Let's get into introducing our guest right off the bat because I'm super excited about this. Once again, sitting back in the studio with us, Mr. Saturn Nuts himself, Bronson Arroyo. <laughs> we, did, we did talk about that. Like, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> when I found out about that, man, I was like, that's my favorite nickname of any athlete I've ever heard of. And I, I was planning that intro the whole time. It's like, I'm definitely bringing up You Saturn snuck Nuts that again. one in on me, too, because I remember, but I completely forgot it. I think we figured out that I didn't know where that came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah you had no idea. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, for coming in, man, and sitting with us again. Uh, super excited to have you on the show, dude. It's uh, It's been about a year, right? Yeah, it's getting close. It's It's been, uh, yeah, right about a year. That's right. It was probably June, because we were talking about it was, my, it was near my last start. So uh, yeah. that was definitely in June, uh, Father's Day. So it's, yeah, it's... Almost to the day. That's insane. And uncanny timing by us. <laughs> we don't we don't usually have that, but no. we'll take it. No, we just lucked into that one and I'm I'm fine with it. But thanks man for, for coming back in, hanging out with us. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we got an awesome show. Bronson's gonna be uh, giving us some insight for you. Uh, we we once that episode ended, we were like kicking ourselves because we had so many other questions. Yes. Like, we got done with that episode, man, and we were like, man, I wish we had like three hours to talk to him because we could have <laughs> kept going. Like there was so much that we wanted to do. So super oh, glad perfect. you're back, man, to, to clear up some other questions that we had. Uh, before we get into all that, though, let's, uh, let's talk about the Motherfucker of the Week. Scott, uh, who is the first option for Motherfucker of the Week? Kobe. <laughs> Which I shouldn't have to say anymore because he's just a general motherfucker. But uh, this week he actually had the gall to say that uh, LeBron should have passed more and done less, trusted his teammates more in the finals and the playoffs in general. The same exact thing he didn't do during yeah. his time in the NBA that everybody said that he should do. So Kobe is your first nominee for Motherfucker of the Week. Bronson, did you watch, did you watch a lot of NBA? I, I haven't. I mean, I, I mean, I know, I know, Lebr- uh, you know, LeBron and, and and Kobe shoot sixty times a game, but <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I couldn't tell you details. All right, well, that's fair enough. Uh, your other option, uh, an old school NBA player here, Charles Barkley, is uh, your second option for motherfucker of the week. Charles, uh, after Game Four, put the argument to bed. Now, I don't want to hear over. another person talk about LeBron being better than Jordan. I would slap the next person that says it. Uh, and then video captured Chuck hiding from LeBron in the uh, in the tunnel, <laughs> acting like he was part of the security detail, uh, back turned, making sure LeBron didn't see him. Uh, so just completely punked out. The dude who hypes up how much better his generation of basketball was and how much tougher they were was the one hiding from LeBron. So he is option number two. I, I bet if you ask Chuck, too, he was he's talking to a fan or something yeah, along those yeah, lines yeah. that they asked him about that video. <laughs> right, yeah, he, there's no way It's he a shame there's ducking. no more TNT post-game shows for them to bring that video up and be like, hey, Chuck, what were you doing yeah. here? <laughs> looks like you were ducking LeBron. <laughs> uh, get your votes in. It's available on our Facebook page. Uh, we will reveal the winner by the end of the episode here. Uh, let's talk about the beer that we're drinking tonight. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Dude, uh, this is called Big Gruesome. I mean, if that doesn't say it all, we got a chocolate peanut butter 
Stout. It's by Springhouse Brewing Company, 8.3% ABV. Uh, they load peanuts in every step of the brewing process with this beer. As so they it's should. just overloaded with that peanut flavor. Uh, the Tavor notes on this one mentioned a flavor of wafer, some drizzled honey, pretzel, and dark chocolate. I don't taste any of that. I taste a lot of peanuts. Taste chocolate and peanuts. Yep, that's about <laughs> it. That's all I need, uh, too. One review on Untapped, someone wrote, OMG, best stout ever. Uh, and that kind of sold it for me. I, I had to pick it up. No Bronson, hyperboles here. Yeah. <laughs> Bronson, you're not a beer guy. You talked yeah. about last episode how uh, it's never fun to uh, be doing workouts and squats the day after getting super hungover That's or right, being hangover. super hungover. Uh, but what do you think of this one, man? I, I think this is great, actually. You know, I, I don't I don't drink much beer at all. And what I, what I don't love about beer is that kind of that skunky after that quick aftertaste you get that's just that like bite. pow that bite in the yeah. back and I, I don't I don't love that this doesn't have much of it at all and yeah. and I you know I'm, I'm a sucker for a Reese's peanut butter cup so <laughs> there you go pretty good <laughs> uh, Scott I know you're you're on board uh, do you is it just the peanut butter and chocolate that you're tasting on this one yeah uh, the dark chocolate's coming through real strong on there and uh, but it's got a nice heavy dose of peanut butter um, no sweetness to it. Yeah, uh, so it's not like uh, sweet baby Jesus, right? We've had some of those that, that it's, it feels like it's getting a little cavity. bit of sugar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a little bit more uh, mellow, I guess you could say, on the uh, the flavor profile. But it's good. I like it. I like how Joe is completely passed on this beer. He's like, I'm Joe, not even touching it. Yeah, Joe's. Uh, not, I got not six bothered. shots that I got to give, so uh, mm. I'm not I'm not doing that. We'll get into some of your shots today. Mm. Um, so that's your beer for this week: Big Gruesome Chocolate Peanut Butter Stout. By Springhouse Brewing Company. We'll see how it holds up. <laughs> uh, you want to get an upper deck, man? You know I do. All right. We'll I'm wait, get waiting into for the music. It. Yeah, there's, yeah, there it is. There's my cue. All right. Uh, Craft Root Sports and Upper Deck is brought to you by Minuteman Tickets, owned by a couple of local Ohio dudes who are sports fans just like all of you. Minuteman helps customers find the best deals on the market. These guys are all about honesty, all the time, every time. If someone has a better price, they'll tell you straight up. Uh, I'm late, I'm sorry, but Minuteman isn't just sports or concerts. They'll help you out with tickets to literally any event you want. They'll even sell your tickets for you. And with college football right around the corner, be sure to hit up Minuteman for all of your OSU football ticketing needs. So go like them on Facebook, where they do weekly giveaways of merchandise, sports and concert apparel, and even tickets. (laughs) Uh, Even tickets. Yes. (laughs) Check them out at MinutemanTickets.com or call them at 614-943-3000 and avoid all of the fees. That's 614 943 Definitely check those guys out. We're going to start off upper deck with a little baseball news. The Yankees are mad at ESPN, Mike. That's because ESPN doesn't seem to give a damn. Uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, they decided that they were going to move a Yankees scheduled 1 o'clock game that is to occur on July 8th because they want to get another primetime game with the, the Yankee eyeballs on them. Well... That's when the Yankees are playing the Blue Jays. That game was supposed to be at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And there's a problem there from the Yankees' perspective because the very next day on Monday, they have a doubleheader scheduled with Baltimore. Mm. And so now... That's going to suck. So now... <laughs> Look at Bronson just like, yeah, with, with, Without shitty. their approval... Before, before. <laughs> unilaterally, they just, the ESPN decided, hey, you're playing Sunday night, and the Yankees are... You know, basically wanting to boycott ESPN because of that. So there's the potential there that they will definitely be playing three games within a 24-hour span. But I'm hoping to God that something takes the Yankees into about 24 innings, and they don't they don't get to Baltimore till just before start of the next game. And I know the Orioles are weak this year, but I hope they just roll all over them. 
<laughs> How brutal would that be, man? Oh, that reminds me of a game. I actually, I think it was my first start in 2005. I think I opened up the season. It was either, either like a noon game or one o'clock game in Fenway Park, but the team was in Baltimore. And the plane broke down, and they slept on the tarmac until about seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Landed, went straight to the park, and we played. And I, I had oh, gotten man. a good night's rest, but the rest of the club hadn't. And it was like, I mean, just playing daytime games in general was terrible. And and to have to sit on the plane all night and and not really sleep, dude, brutal. that sounds brutal. Oh, that sucks. But yeah, no, well, it sucks how much to suck, this, Yankees? <laughs> how much of that though? Do you think they have any sway with ESPN? Because I mean, the Yankees and Red Sox seem to be ESPN's bread and butter. Like yeah. ESPN doesn't want to piss off the Yankees. So do you think there's anything that ESPN will back off on this because yeah. the Yankees are pissed? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who. Um, I don't know who makes those final decisions. Actually, you know, game times change, especially during the playoffs. Depending on obviously they're trying to get ratings, right? But I, I don't know. I don't know who has the final call when it comes to that. If there's a schedule game, if they can change it, um, you know, those contracts have probably been signed. But you remember, TV deals are, are pumped a lot of money into baseball, right. and so they they might have some leverage there. It seems like they must have because ESPN more or less just said deal with it. Which is weird well, to me that they can affect the schedule like that on just a moving a game from one o'clock all the way to the evening show. And who who got bumped is the uh, question because yeah, it didn't say who got bumped. Yeah, I don't know whoever who. was supposed to be the Sunday night game. Eh, hey, you're playing whenever. We don't care. Surprise, surprise. Yankees on Sunday night baseball. That never happens. It'll be the first time ever. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of the Yankees, the Staten Island Yankees are in the news this week. They're a short season A-class affiliate of the uh, the New York Yankees. They actually play in the New York Penn League with the uh, Mahoning Valley Scrappers, the Staten, uh, Staten Island Yankees do. Well, at least that's what we're going to call them for now. Um, they've finally given people what they want. So back in 2016, they ran a fan vote, which we all know is the worst decision you can make as Voting a professional face. organization to give fans a vote. They were at least smart enough to not allow people to choose the options. They just gave them five options to pick from, but they were saying they were going to rebrand the team, and the fans voted and voted on the New York Pizza Rats. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, apparently the uh, Staten Island Yankees said, yeah, we didn't get uh, didn't get the paperwork in in time, so we can't do it for the 2017 oh, season. Sorry, everybody. Oh. Uh, but they have agreed this year to honor that fan uh, poll every Saturday night for the rest of the season they will wear new york uh pizza rat jerseys hats uh you jerseys don't look half bad though none of it looks bad I even mean, the logo i'm yeah. like it's a pizza rat and this actually looks kind of cool like, yeah I'd, I'd rock that yeah um but yeah it's it's all uh, official they will do that every saturday night wow. uh, for the rest of the season pizza rat a devil ray i mean <laughs> the same thing right <laughs> <laughs> Same class. <laughs> we were uh, talking before about like the the weirdest MLB uh, mascots that are out there. The minor league affiliates they tend to have like the baby cakes in New Orleans. Mm, the they biscuits, always, yeah. That's <laughs> have my you, favorite. Did you ever play against any ridiculous mascots when you were coming up? It's tough to remember, honestly, man. I know I played. I played in New Orleans. I feel like I played in every, every minor league ballpark. I mean, I had seven years in the minor leagues, but um, well, they're always changing them too. That's so. true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's Back when point. you were in the minors, they probably a completely That's set right. of different names for a lot of them. Yeah, the teams move around a lot depending on the, the organizations as they change, and then they flip a lot of those teams. But what you do remember is the, the guys that come through, like they call them the superstars. So these are the guys that travel around the country going from minor league park to minor league park wearing those outfits that they blow up with the air. And they, and they just have like clam, they've got they've got names like Clammy Sosa and, and, and Giant Clam. And they, and they put on a nice. show in the ballpark. That, that's where you see the chicken, too. The famous yeah. San Diego chicken yeah. that those guys tore around. <laughs> that's awesome. Clammy Sosa. 
was so I like that. Yeah. That's my favorite mascot pun ever. I wonder that's what fantastic. If Clammy's still running around, I wonder what color he is right now. That's true. <laughs> Too soon. That's true. No. Okay. Is that is that pink clam? <laughs> yeah, pink clam. What? What? Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if you guys thought there was going to be no way that the streak could possibly continue, think again because. This will be the last time for a little while, we think, but we have more Kardashian it news. Won't be. <laughs> uh, so there's some rumors floating around out there just before the uh, series, the final series got started, that Tristan Thompson wanted the series to go as long as possible. <laughs> Why? Because he was worried about getting back to L.A. to have to face the Kardashian family after, you know, his <laughs> off the field or off the court activities, if you will, with various women not named Khloe Kardashian. So dude was just straight scared. He, he didn't care about playing the Warriors. He didn't care about... I mean, wouldn't you be scared of the Kardashian family? I guess, but... I'd be terrified of those women. I don't know. I wouldn't want to go back after something like that? No way. There's no way I'd want to go back to that. Well, he's gotta. I mean, he, she did have his kid. Why yeah, would you're you not going to start, though, bro? You, <laughs> that's a good point. You just that's know it's going to turn out bad, bro. That's that. That's, that's some, listen. That's the point. Point. Kardashians are in that in that category. You, you only go there once, bro. That's it. You notch it in the belt, and you're like, I'm out, bro. There's no reason to try to get burned, man. They gotta have something going that it. it I mean, guys keep coming back. A- athletes, period. Yeah, every just athlete. keep revolving door. You see, I mean, it should have ended after Reggie Bush. Reggie people should have been like, yeah, I'm staying away, tainted, tainted meat. But nope, they keep going back. <laughs> so yeah, there's your Kardashian slash Tristan Thompson story, and like I said, that might be it until the NBA season starts up, starts back up again. But we'll keep you posted. No, there's gonna be some stuff, you know. Now that because now he's going back. Now he's got to go back. So there's going to be a story next week about how they... they <laughs> he got his ass beat. Yeah. They, <laughs> Chloe beat him up and Kim sat on his head. Uh, anyways, here's a little lesson for you. If you're going to move your team, get ready for fans to really hate you. Uh, and that is on full display in this story. So this one starts back in November of 2015. Reggie Bush, uh, the aforementioned, was playing for your 49ers. I was watching this game live when it happened. Yeah, they were playing in St. Louis against the Rams, and uh, during a punt return, Reggie, his momentum carried him off uh, out of bounds, and he slipped on this concrete warning track that's around the stadium in St. Louis, uh, tore his ACL, was done for the season, pretty much wasn't the same guy he was again. Like He never really recovered from that. To be fair, though, when it happened... It, everything happened so fast, and you they showed the replays where he slipped on it or whatever, but initially they're like, oh, and Reggie Bush is down and he's injured. My first thought was, hmm, that sounds about right, because yeah. Reggie's whole pro career was battling injuries or coming back from injuries, so it wasn't really shocking. But when you saw him slip, I thought, that's really weird that they had that right behind the bench And you here. see it all the time in some of those stadiums where there's like this concrete thing and there's dudes running with spikes on. It's like, why would you even... like? Why is that even there? Yeah, who you know, that? Every, people always slip on that shit. Um, so he slipped. He tore his ACL. He ended up suing the Rams and the St. Louis Convention and Visitors Commission, calling this warning track, quote, a concrete ring of death. Uh, well, the trial just wrapped up this week, and a St. Louis jersey, who I jury? assume... Or, it, what did I say? You said jersey. Yeah, I meant jersey. I don't know how many jerseys are uh, going to wrap up 
court cases. But. You know, yeah. Okay. Oh, fuck you. Uh, anyways, uh, the the jury just wrapped it up, and I, I'm assuming they're still a little jaded from the Rams moving. Uh, they awarded Reggie Bush 12.45 million dollars in damages. They said the Rams were 100 percent responsible for this injury when and you, just stuck it to him. When you can stick it in him one more time yeah. for leaving, you got to take advantage of it. You know what else though? There was another. There was a couple other people that had said like this wasn't just Reggie. You know, throwing this out there. There were other people who had had injuries on this. That concrete ring of death wasn't even something he coined. Some other people had like said that, and they brought nice. this up. But the other fishy thing about this, like, yeah, it was funny that the the Rams fans were like, right. yeah, we're gonna stick it to you. But the 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 Rams before they moved out of there knew there was something up. Because after he did it, they immediately laid down a, a protective surface <laughs> over there so that it wouldn't happen again. So they knew they were in the wrong. That's probably why they got screwed on a- this. As soon as it happened, yeah. And, like, that was one of those, yeah, you guys pretty much told on yourselves yeah. when you did it. So. We were talking, Bronson, when we, were, when we found this story, uh, Minute Maid Park and that hill that they have. Right. How long do you think before somebody gets really fucked up on that? I mean, Houston they, has a history they, of having some weird shit right. in the outfield like Didn't that. Did they take the hill out? Yeah, they did now, but, oh, yeah, but the, the hill wasn't right. even the big deal. The big deal was the, was the <laughs> was the flagpole in the middle. Right, that's what it was yeah, like. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, so we already got to deal with the hill. The guy's got to look up. He's starting to feel like he's you know he's losing his balance, and now I'm going to smash into a pole. I mean, they did have padding around it, but it was like completely <laughs> useless. Still, it was yeah. like no reason to have it. They they pulled the whole thing out. They're they're both gone now. Yeah. But they do. They have. They had a train. I mean, you know, look at the train. The pretty train in left field. <laughs> it's okay to have a giant hill that could be hazardous to the athlete's health because there's a train. <laughs> I don't understand why these decisions are even made. Like, who looks at that and's like, "No, nah, that's a good idea." That's what I'm saying. When We're they built cool. that park, I have no idea who who thought. All right, we we'll this. sign off on this. Yeah. After the original aesthetic, it's like, no, okay, this isn't a good idea. Yeah, horrible plan. But right. there you go, St. Louis, sticking it to the Rams one more time. I do enjoy that, though. <laughs> it's team petty. <laughs> uh, sticking with uh, MLB, as we were just talking about there, uh, former Major League pitcher Kevin Brown is now seen as a hero in his neighborhood. That's because in his neighborhood area in Macon, Georgia, there was a string of mail theft going on around there. Well, Kevin Brown decided he was going to put a stop to it, so he hid out behind his neighbor's house, waiting for somebody to come up and steal the mail, and sure enough, a couple of guys did. One of them happened to be a 15-year-old. Kevin Brown held them at gunpoint. Ah, that seems like a normal And then reaction. called the cops yeah. until the cops could get there. For Kevin Brown, that's par for the court. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the guy tear up a locker room after getting shelled? <laughs> yeah, this story, which Joe actually brought to both of our attentions, because this went under my radar or whatever, when I saw it, I thought, wow. That's what Kevin Brown's doing in his free time now? Dude just, retired and is like, I'm going to dole out justice. I'm hanging out with my piece. I'm going to hide around this corner. <laughs> if anybody steals my mail. Take this mail and see what happens They're to you. going down. <laughs> that is hardcore. Yeah. Could you imagine? I, th- my thought, okay, so, I mean, you got to be a, a real loser to go around stealing mail. I don't know what you're trying to get out of mail. But, so imagine you, you are, you walk up to our statements, you yeah. get the number, done. Okay, cool. There well, you go. I, I mean, not that I've ever thought about it, but, thief, you know, but all right. I, just, I, I couldn't imagine, though, walking up to a house, grabbing the mail, and then turning around, holy shit, it's Kevin Brown. <laughs> holy shit, is that a gun? <laughs> Brown, are you are you gonna rob me? No, I'm waiting for the cops to show up. Well, shit, this is not how I planned my day to go. Unbelievable. 
Do you think it was like a, a moment where he just had the gun pulled and they like got scared first, and then as they're standing there with their hands up, they're like, "Are you, are you Kevin Brown? <laughs> I, I hope that's that Kevin Brown. Oh <laughs> shit, dude! I'm a huge Marlins fan. <laughs> I know I'm going to jail, but you, could you sign something for me? Could you sign this piece of stolen mail? <laughs> Oh shit! That's that is one. wild. All right, let's wrap up Upper Deck with uh, maybe uh, the, the wildest team that that we've had featured on this show. The World Cup started today, and uh, some teams were a little more pumped to be there than others. Last week, it was reported that uh, the Mexico national team they finished up a friendly, their final tune-up game before leaving for Russia, and uh, to celebrate that win and have a little send a send off party, they decided to have a twenty-four hour bender where they hired thirty high-end prostitutes to come hang out with them uh take that argentina <laughs> 24 hours they were apparently in some like really nice neighborhood uh, and they were just like yeah let's get 30 high-end hookers to come hang out and partied for 24 hours and then flew to russia what i found interesting there were 30 prostitutes there are only 23 dudes on the team yeah <laughs> <laughs> you got a medical staff and some guys gotta get that two-for-one blue light special at kmart son <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was unaware of how the numbers worked out. I just thought there was, hey, 30. That's no, a, that's a nice it, crowd. I checked number. it out. I was like, I wonder how many people are on that team because 30 seems a little high. And I looked it up. 23 guys on the roster. That is classic. <laughs> Kids, learn how to play soccer. Go Basically, if you're, since Team USA didn't make it, if you're looking for a team to cheer for, uh, I'm going all in on Mexico because that's a damn good team to cheer for. They're our neighbors, too. I mean, they, yeah, that, you know. Party with Mexico, man. Because if that's what they did just to go to the World Cup, can you imagine the party if they won? 60 hookers. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be We're going to double the amount of hookers we got. <laughs> Uh, this has been Upper Deck, brought to you as always by Minuteman Tickets. Uh, man, that's Brownson. Has there ever been like uh, we? I was thinking about this this week. So uh, Golden State won the championship. We saw their parade, and everybody was like drinking henny in the from the fans. Uh, Alex Ovechkin after the Capitals won has been an internet superstar with how ridiculous he's gotten. You were on the Red Sox team when they broke the curse and won the World right. Series. How ridiculous <clears throat> were those parties? Yeah, that it, had to it be. Was, Listen, it, it, it didn't end. It, it was actually, it wasn't in that time, it wasn't um, so much about us. It was about the people, you know. And mm-hmm. A lot of times maybe it's about the players because they've won a few of them or, or whatever. But, you know, they hadn't won one in 86 years. And it was just about how people were reacting. You know, when four and a half million people come out in 30-degree weather and it had been raining all night to see you go by in a duck boat, man. It's like, <laughs> it's awe-inspiring. I mean, you look at the Cubs, look at the numbers of the Kansas City Royals, look at the normal a normal team that wins a championship to see how many people come out. It's like maybe a million, million and a half, two at the most. I mean, you're almost doubling that in, in ridiculous weather yeah. to come out. I mean, people are in the trees and on the top of buildings. I mean, we, we, we landed from St. Louis 7 o'clock in the morning, and cars are just stopping on the highway, man. They're just pulling their cars over and ho- holding up newspapers to say amen. That's it. Like, <laughs> as the buses go by, dude, they don't care what else is going on. It's like, time has stopped here. But as far as like us partying, it was weird. That was the, it was the one thing we didn't really get to do as a team because you partied in the clubhouse the whole night, mm-hmm. and then we got on the plane and immediately flew back, and it was, it was in the morning by the time we landed. So no, we really, yeah, didn't, we really didn't get to hang out, yeah, as as a bunch of guys like we did here in Cincinnati after clinching a couple times. We got to go to a club. You know, everybody got to be a part of it. The front office came. Everybody's having a great time. We really didn't get to do that. And back then, there was obviously no internet, so you didn't have any internet sensations that were 
<laughs> that were just doing stuff in their own hotel rooms or on their own time and then getting publicity for it. So, yeah. you know, you just you didn't you didn't have that stuff going on. Man, that would be I feel like that's one of those championships. It's like when Cleveland won finally and like they had all those people come out to, to that parade. It had to pale in comparison, man. I don't remember like the coverage that that happened in Boston for, when Boston won, but Oh, I mean, I remember it, but it it wasn't as uh I guess as big as those things get to be now because they stream them and all that other stuff. And so, I mean, I do remember how big of a deal it was. Right. It wouldn't be quite as national, though. Back then, Cold Pizza was on, and they would show stuff like that. But, yeah, it's it's gotten more and more where you have more access to seeing some of these things, especially we couldn't stream anything on on Facebook or on YouTube. Right. You couldn't couldn't go live, you know, up in a duck boat as as people are going by. (laughs) So if you live in New England, you got to see it on the news. And other than that, you have – I've got footage of it, but – you know, I'm not going to upload that anytime soon, probably. <laughs> <laughs> the old personal collection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that goes in the in the file marked taxes 2012. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, well, man, last time you were here, uh, we, we mentioned it earlier. You were saying, you know, you're not a big beer fan, working out. Now that you're retired, you've been doing a lot of boozing. You've been no. hanging out, partying a little bit I've, more. I've been, I've been hanging out, but I don't know, man. I, I just... I, I enjoy I enjoy being sober most of the time. It's like, uh, well, I guess I, it's what not that, that I enjoy like? being sober. I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy being buzzed. I do enjoy being buzzed, but it's about you know kind of balancing the best parts with the worst parts of whatever it is you're doing. You know what I mean? Right. And, and drinking has just never been my been my thing. I might I might tap into some other stuff, but um, <laughs> but but drinking is, is just not. <laughs> but you know, I still love to get up and work out during the day, man, and um, you know, go for a swim or. You know, play some golf or do whatever. Just be kind of physical and just try to burn off some excess energy, I think. Because a lot of times, you know, all these years I've been so programmed yeah. to do that. And it's mm-hmm. part of my sanity. And if, if if I don't get to do that, you start feeling like a caged animal a little bit. So, you know, playing music and singing is also very physical. So it gives me the opportunity to do that. But if I'm not working out for the day or singing in the basement, I mean, it's, it's very rare that a day is going to go by that I'm not going to do one of those two things. I can't imagine just like trying to turn it off all of a sudden like that. Because, I mean, everything did kind of end abruptly last year for you which you know we were talking about before we got on the air was really unfortunate how the the season kind of unfolded for you um i'm just glad that you don't hold it against us because seriously for the last year after i mean you were here on thursday and then that sunday i was all pumped i was i was like we're going to the game and bronson's pitching and he was just in my house and like everybody from work is is there i was like i know he's just there he's hurt what the fuck just happened oh shit (laughs) oh shit he's done yeah Yeah. i I remember reading the text on my phone from you like looking at it and i'm like no wait you, you mean he's done done yeah he was just fine. He's done, done. Oh wow, yeah, man, we it fucked was, him. Yeah, I felt, I felt like <laughs> such a jinx. <laughs> it wasn't all the years of pitching. We, we, it was us. We ruined it. We were. I mean, we were very in, into a craft brewed sports jinx there for a while. Uh, so yeah, Mike was, has a tendency to to screw over teams when he picks them and whatnot. So we did think it that. was a lot of guilt that I've been holding, man. So I'm glad you don't. You, don't hold <laughs> you guys didn't have Ocho Cinco in here before he got arrested a couple times, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no Bengals yet, so they can't blame it on us. That's right. Uh, in all seriousness, the the coming up to that day. I mean, you were talking a little bit before. Tell us about like going up to that time. Like, did you have an inkling it was it was coming to an end? Uh, you know what what was going through your mind leading up to that, where it's like, 
all of a sudden one day the lights go out the the game's done for yeah, you. Yeah, I think I think um well you know I, I had gone through most of the emotional stuff back in 2016 when I was with the Nationals because the doctor there told me that my shoulder was 80% tore. And when they told me that I was like, well, it's game set match. I mean, if you got a shoulder that's that bad, there's no way you're going to pitch ever again. And Dusty Baker was like, you know what? Let's let our doctors look at it. You know, he he read the scan and didn't know that you already had a previous surgery. So it could be a little skewed. So he said, just stay here in the rookie league. Do what you got to do. And let me see if I can get you back for the second half. And um, that didn't happen that year. But, you know, as I was grinding through that process, you know, I, I got the opportunity to realize, you know, I played every single day from 1995 to 2014. So by the time I'd gone through these surgeries and you're slowly seeing that your body is not bouncing back the way it should. I knew there was a there was a chance that I would never pitch again, but just to be able to get back in a red uniform, make the ball club, and to just stand out on the mound one time to me was almost like I had already won, you know that yeah. that comeback regardless. And and then I got opportunity to win three games, um, but I didn't know when, when it was going to end, you know, because there was days that it, it would feel good. You go out on the mound and it felt pretty good. And I'm like, all right, uh, you know, my shoulder feels almost 100, percent and my elbow's just bugging me a little bit. And then you go out for the next start and it'd be completely opposite. The shoulder would be hurting you, and and your elbow would feel relatively fine. Or some days that they both were just hurting, you know. And I'm trying a million different things, taking different anti-inflammatories, having cortisone shots. I'm you're trying every trick you got in the book to try to put the fire out in these things, and it's just not working. And so I really didn't know when it was going to end because I had also won games in 2014 with the Diamondbacks when I had no ligament in my elbow and my shoulder was tore. So, you know, in the back of your mind, you're always thinking there's a way I'm going to find a way. And Mm -hmm. when I beat the Giants, I think that was my third win. Um, you know, and I was feeling pretty good. And I was like, oh, I think I think I might be able to, you know, continue to ascend up here, get a little bit more velocity and get back to feeling normal. And then, you know, I just hit a wall and it just wasn't going to come back. And but, you know, once I saw the handwriting on the wall, it was it was um, something that was easy actually to let go because I had already been contemplating it since 2016. That's, I was wondering about that. Like if if you had, you know, obviously you you knew what was going on in your arm, but I, I was wondering what that feeling was like once you realized a game you've put your whole life into sure. is is over, man. That had to be. Yeah, I mean, there had to be some type of. There's um, no doubt. I, I had planned in 2016. I thought it was game set match, and there's no doubt. I, I sat in my house and I thought about who should I call, man. You know, and I called Peter Gammons, and I called Dusty Baker, and I called Kevin Millar, and it was just a handful of, a handful of people that that I'd been real close to in my career. And I and I I felt like you know it was it was very similar to maybe you know I don't know how you guys felt about graduating high school but it was a, it was a sense that you were going to be leaving something that you've been part of for such a long time and it was really the people it was the group of people that you weren't going to yeah. be around anymore yeah and you weren't going to be traveling on those buses anymore and on those planes and just being part of the the boys club you know right and um, yeah that hit me hard in sixteen but after you know thinking that that was the end it w- it was easy last year just because. Um, I knew I was going to travel with the ball club the, the last three months of the season, and I had strategically come back to the place that I knew that if that happened, I was going to enjoy being around these guys more than yeah. any other ball club because they knew me through and through. And so it was fun to be kind of like an in-between the players and the coaching staff to help Brian Price out a little bit, to talk to some of the young guys, to to throw team parties, to, to run a radio show. Like you got, like a, I had like my own radio show on, on the bus. <laughs> nice. Um, when we land on um, in most cities before we drive to the hotel, it took a half hour to run a radio show. And uh, me me and Scott Feldman. So it it was, it was, it was good, man. And and I got to wind down in, uh, in a way that I honestly couldn't expected. uh, I I wouldn't expect from anybody except a guy like Derek Jeter or or David Ortiz to stand on that field in great American ballpark and have them give me, you know, 
uh, 45 minutes an hour or whatever they gave me out there on the Jumbotron with guys like Eddie Vetter and Theo Epstein and Johnny Cueto and Mike Leak are up there talking to me on the Jumbotron. They give me a rocking chair and a guitar and, and uh, <laughs> just some real cool stuff, man. You know, so it was, it was, it was actually fun. So besides the camaraderie and hanging out with the guys, is there anything that you really miss about being involved in, in the game in general? The only thing that I'm, I mean, other than hanging with the guys, you know, you, you just don't miss the squat workouts, man, in the weight room, to be honest with you, you know? I mean, no, you never don't. The, 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 the grind, you know, you hear Usain Bolt say, you know, like, the reason that I'm not disappointed by kind of winding out of this thing is because you, you don't really love that intensive work, right? right. You, you, there is a part of you that loves it and there are days that you love it, but you don't love it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's nice to just relax. But I think the part that I'll miss, no doubt about it, is the 32 times that you get to, to get to step on the, on the mound. Mm-hmm. You know, when you wake up that morning, there's a total difference to how your body is reacting. You, there, your, your engine is already running as soon as you open your eyes. There's like a little bit of adrenaline kind of there. You're having those butterflies. You're not, you're not eating the same as you normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything about that day is totally different. And then you stand on that mound, you've prepared, and you throw those first couple pitches, and then it's game on, and all the butterflies leave, and it's like, all right, let's see what happens. You know, when you walk out of a stadium, you know, you walk across the field to catch the bus in Houston, you're on the road, and you're eating, you know, maybe an ice cream, and you just threw seven and a third, man, and just won three to one and beat a guy like Roger Clemens or Justin Verlander or whatever it is, you know, the, it, in those moments, I was I was sucking that stuff up because I knew it wouldn't last forever. But though that's the magic, you know, when you look around, you go, "There was just forty thousand people in here. They just watched me do that." Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't you can't replace that in any other part of your life. It's very very difficult to do that. I mean, for me, I get a little bit of that out of playing music for people, and mm-hmm. I get to perform, so you get a little right. bit about the butterflies, but not on the same level as it's going to be pitching on a major league mound. Not yet. Not until you got 40,000 people at, yeah, at Riverbend. You get, get 20,000 people yeah, listening to a show, absolutely. And they're, if they're, if they're singing along with the song. Yeah. That's the key, right? Well, there'll at least be three three guys yeah, there. there. Sing along. <laughs> we'll make it. Uh, yeah. I hope so. I don't know. Babies are coming. I'll do my best. I'll leave the kids at home. Hey, man, school. I need a sponsor, bro. We were talking about <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to be there because I don't, that, that's going to be my because I'll be like, hey, look. I know the kids are crazier tonight, but Bronson's been on the show multiple times. It's true. We I got to go. return the favor. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it, it's just Bayback time. So. Have you been going up around town at all, uh, doing any shows around town, playing around? I town? have. I, I just played on the west side at a place called Jim and Jack's uh, the other night. We played a two-hour show, and uh, it's kind of a country bar on the west side on River Road. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we did a benefit there a while back, and, and he asked me to come back and play. And, uh, you know, I got a local band of guys here that have – they all got good jobs, and they don't have to play for you know we don't have to ask a ton of money to play mm-hmm. but it's it's just fun to get out there man and just rip and 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 sing pearl jam and the foo fighters and stone temple pilots and the stuff that i just love since i was a 15 year old kid you know to do that with a band that sounds good and just to, to make it happen man to pull it off it's not easy for guy anybody to do it much less a guy who played you know baseball for 20 years how much time are you putting into it like practice wise with with the guys like are you guys just jam sessions throughout the week or, or is it just sort of like ah we know what we're doing well we got this show booked let's go hang out no we we play when i'm in town i'm not always here i'm here about half the time but when i am here we play at least once a week nice. um and and then and then you know you piecemeal the shows together and sometimes we'll play multiple times in a week if we have to but um it's getting to the point where we you know we've got about 30 probably 30 35 songs you know it's a lot of songs but we're getting most of them down you still feel a little shaky on a few of them but nothing that really the fans would would recognize that you've messed up you know yeah some real subtleties 
But uh, we grind pretty hard, man. I mean, it, not just with the band, but in general, you know, I mean, I'm down in the basement three, four days a week. People don't realize that your vocal cords are very similar to any other muscle in the body. And if you don't kind of keep them going, you just can't fire it up at that at mm-hmm, degree. Yeah. Now, I, I could sing some really e- I could sing some James Taylor or some stuff that's easy on the vocal all day probably but you if you go out there and rip corduroy and even flow and alive <laughs> man you better Takes be in shape dude or you're, yeah. or you're gonna hit the wall real quick <laughs> that would tear you up man um all right well we were kicking ourselves. actually scott i'll let you ask the question because uh, that was oh, the one right away that, that you were like i can't believe it's like minutes after you walked out of the house so the a-rod play what were your thoughts on that whole situation? Because I'll never forget watching that and thinking it was one of the dirtiest plays. And I Back guess it up for people listening that may not know what okay, you're talking so about. When because we know we're like right, yeah, we're, we're, we're super baseball nerds, and I have the play running through my head. But uh, back when you were with Boston, you're covering first. A Rod's running down, running two first, and the ball gets there about the same time as he does. But he slaps your arm and knocks the ball away. <laughs> And knocks your arm away so you can't make the play. And then he ends up being safe and all sorts of shenanigans after that. But what were your th- what was going through your mind during that entire sequence? Because I remember thinking, wow, that's one of the dirtiest things you'll ever see in baseball. But I also went back and looked at it not that long after you know we had had you on. And you were like amazingly calm through that whole thing. And I thought, <laughs> wow, if some guy just knocked my arm off like yeah, that and did I'd be ready did to throw thing, down. Yeah, I mean, it would have been going nuts. But right. what were your thoughts during that yeah, whole I thing? Know, you know, for, for me, I've always just been built around um, not – I don't even have to try. It's just kind of there the way my genetic makeup, makeup is is that I, I just – I'm always focused on the result. You know what I mean? And I don't get caught up in the emotion of a game. I don't get it caught up with – you know, I just gave him a homer and the guy just showed me up and I'm going to drill him next time because in my mind, I'm thinking I'm not going to give a, a free base to a guy. Yeah, I, right. You know, I don't have a big enough ego to think that just because the guy showed me up by hitting a home run that I need to go ahead and drill him the next time up. I, I, I'd rather hit him a first pitch ground ball to shortstop, you know, and right. throw him a little cutter and get him out and that would be it. And, um, you know, I mean, he hit the homer on me. He, he deserves maybe to celebrate. So <laughs> I, I, I've never functioned from that level. So it was so much – it was easy for me to be in that type of a situation. As all I'm thinking about is it's – it's Game Six ALCS. We're in Yankee Stadium, man. There's forty five thousand rocking hard here, and and I want to make sure that they get this play right because if not, if I have Jeter already scored, it's now four to three. I've got A Rod on second base with Sheffield up and one out, dude. Like I'm in trouble, mm-hmm. right? So for me, it was a, it was. Um, I remember throwing him a slow breaking ball. It was like I took a little bit off. Because Alex is the type of guy who, on the inner half, had a big hole, but everything out away from him, he loved to drive the ball to right center. So that meant that if you threw him a breaking ball that was probably like 78, 81 miles an hour, it was going to be right in his path to hit a homer to left center. Mm-hmm. So I threw it about 68 miles an hour, and he hit it right off the end of the bat, one of those cue shots where the ball's just spinning crazy. And I can remember just thinking, make sure this ball does not pop out of your glove. And so I got it, and as I was taking more time than you normally would to pick that thing up, as soon as I picked it up, I looked to my left, and Doug Minkiewicz should have recognized that I was going to make that play easily, and he would have been on first base. I would have flipped it to him, no problem. But when I looked over, he was standing right next to me. He had come to get the ball. And in those type of situations, when the adrenaline's flowing like that, people tend to overplay something, right? Yeah. He, he would have never made that play. Doug would have been standing on first base if this is a regular season game. Mm-hmm. But in that, in that moment, it's so big, he's trying to get to the ball and we're standing next to each other. And so I thought Alex would have been bang, bang right next to me and I would have needed to tag him really quick. And when I looked up, he was jogging. 
And so because he was so far away from me, it let me relax. Yeah. And I just thought I'll tag him really easily. I'll make sure that Jeter's not going anywhere past second base and we're cool. And he chopped my arm, man. And when he chopped my arm, you know, I didn't even know where the ball was. But it, it, I saw it flying down the right field line. He had kicked it. And my glove actually went behind his back. I caught my glove. And I remember just thinking, man, what is going on here? You know, <laughs> that, that can't be a legal play. But I've never even thought about that play. You know, right. right. It's like something you don't think about as a kid. It's like, you're not, yeah. Well, you're not looking for that right. to right. happen. You don't think I'm going to go to tag a guy and he's just going to karate chop me, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, so I, I'm not thinking, is that legal, not legal? I'm just thinking that can't be normal. It can't, it can't be legal. But you right. never thought about that as a rule or anything. And Doug Mankiewicz asked me, he's like, man, you all right, bro? Because he thought, like, maybe hit my arm really hard. And, um, and so then we just sat there. And Terry Francona came out and said, you can't do that. And then this whole sequence of stuff, if you guys see uh, Four Days in October, you see a little bit of it on film there mm-hmm. where uh, we're all huddled up in the middle of the field. And Alex is trying to tell the umpires that that was his regular running motion. Yeah, I'll never forget. He was, he was saying, that's my regular running motion. And I, and I was smirking. I was kind of laughing, right? So I'm like, come on, bro. Like, like, that's all like, you can honestly, do in that moment. Honestly, dude, like, listen, dude. Like, can I change your last name to Trump? Is that, is that what you're talking about? I'm just going to lie straight to your face yes. and tell you that's the real shit. Right? And so, and so he, uh, I'm laughing. And he actually looks at the umpires and looks over at me and says, hey, look, he's laughing because he knows. That 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 you guys are getting it wrong. That's what he said. I couldn't believe it. He doubled down on it, bro. It was unreal. But then at the end of that, trying to flip it on you. Yes. So then at the end of that sequence, they call him out and they they send out uh, Derek all the way back to first base, right? Which helped us out because now I'm facing two outs with Gary Sheffield at the plate and I don't have a guy in scoring position, right? And so, um, but just at the end of that sequence, the riot crew starts coming out because the Yankee fans start throwing a bunch of stuff on the field, right? And Francona's trying to round us up in the middle of the field so we don't get hit by batteries or whatever they're throwing and if you look up you see Orlando Cabrera and he's looking over towards our dugout and he's going like this like he's rubbing his eyes like you're whining like a little baby and he's saying 7-7 seven, seven, if you see that on the film and it's because Orlando had been arguing with these three Greek guys the whole game and finally he's looking over at him he's like don't cry don't cry we're going game 7 they were, they were like we're going to kill you when this game's over it's classic bro it was classic but then, and then if you see the rest of the game and the riot crew stands 20 deep down both lines for the rest of the game man you look around there in the ninth inning and you feel like you're in a war zone man and it was it was a different atmosphere than i've ever been in a baseball game that is so bizarre to think that a game can turn like that like i know we talked last time about like some of the fans and and being a little psycho like philadelphia fans and stuff but i can't imagine trying to then focus knowing like you got riot gear. Yeah. Like it was, hanging out on the side. Every, everything was different about the series. You know, you'd, you'd go into, uh, we'd have our pitching meetings. And so we would have a practice day and then you're playing whatever it was, game five the next day. And we're having our pitching meetings on the bus, riding from Yankee Stadium back to the hotel after the practice because they're like, hey, we think that this, this place could be bugged. The offices wow. could be bugged and they could be listening to our scouting reports. So we're doing these on the buses, you know, where they're talking about like, hey, if you guys get room service, man, be careful. They could be poisoning the food. Like, like, dude, it's like, Holy yeah, shit, you're, th- you're thinking at a whole nother level than you would normally think during the regular season because it was just, I mean, you know, we'd get on the buses and we'd have a police escort. So everybody knew it was us going to the stadium. And I mean, you right. have. I think I said this last time. You'd have 75-year-old ladies working at Nordstrom, man, just freaking flipping you off in the, in the, in the window and people mooning you all over the place, dude. It's like it was a whole other level of, of, of kind of, uh, of competition. Uh, man, that is intense. Well, well, speaking of A-Rod, obviously he now works at Fox or is it ESPN? That I don't know. I think he's on ESPN. He's yeah, on I think ESPN. he's ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about a guy who 
has Alex's admitted issues uh, in the game, uh, ascending to a position like that where now, I mean, it's more or less forgotten for a large group of fans. I mean, you know, it's almost like it never even happened. How do you feel about guys like that when you see them kind of move into a successful role after getting shunned from the game. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Alex as a person, but the strength coach I was here with the Cincinnati Reds was with him in the last couple of years there with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And he actually said he was just uh, – he described him as kind of like a baseball nerd, man, that he was actually a really good guy and he just loved to play the game and and that he was a much better teammate than he thought before he got there because he was the type of guy that would never say that I wouldn't play left field or I won't hit in the eight hole. He just loved to play. And it mm-hmm. wasn't like his ego was so large that he couldn't be moved out of the three or the four hole or I have to play shortstop, you know, that he was he was a good guy. But, um, you know, as far as like trying to forget about the past, I, I think the, the most important thing probably for those guys is that the people who are voting for the Hall of Fame aren't going to forget Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one thing. And if, if, if you know, if, if a guy like him is going to get into the Hall of Fame, then obviously Bonds and McGuire and Sosa and all the other guys are going to have to get in and Palmero. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Just from observing Alex, you know, I don't know him. Like I said, I've literally never said hi to the guy ever, never shook his hand. But what I observe uh, with him is that, you know, he has, a, he has a tough time in the way that I would think Tiger Woods would as well, is that they always try to do everything a little too perfect. And when you have when – you, when you don't have the ability to – to show people your flaws, then it always comes off as a fraud and a fake, yeah. right? And right. so it's like you you would want him just to open up a little bit, and I hope that as he's doing and I have seen him do some of these games on TV, and he's learning how to talk during a baseball game. and More relaxed. Yeah, and be a little bit more relaxed, and you hopefully that, that, that guard comes down a little bit. Because, listen, at the end of the day, I played against Alex in high school, and he was a freak of nature then, and he was always going to be one of the greatest players who ever played the game. Or steroids or no steroids, it makes no difference, but... But you, you just hope that guys can be comfortable in their own skin and just show you their true colors because I think at the end of the day, what people really enjoy about you and your personality is that there is some great and then there's going to be a couple things that maybe people don't agree with or whatever it is, but you don't have to come off as like a robot all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this this came out this week. This was kind of a, the feel-good story that, that came around was uh, in a high school championship game. There was a dude that struck out his childhood best friend. Tatum looking to to end the the game, won the state championship. Uh, And afterwards, as soon as he got that third strike call, the team came out to celebrate. He just walked towards home plate, like consoled his friend, gave him a hug, let him know everything was fine, and then went to celebrate. Is there anybody that you played against that – you would be willing to do that for, or would it be like, no, nah, fuck you, I'm going to celebrate with my team? Well, it was, it was, well you know, it was very similar when I, I, I've only had two experiences in my life playing baseball. One was my best friend growing up, where I live um, near Tampa, Florida. He, he lived behind me, and we're still best friends to this day. And uh, he really didn't play baseball, but he decided to play one year when we were 11 or 12 years old, and it was the first time that I'd ever had to stand on the mound and pitch against him. You know, and it was such a, a mismatch because I'd been playing my whole life and I was a bit of a freak of nature as a kid, um, you know, and he had never really played. And, and I remember being on the mound and, and having a hard time keeping a straight face pitching against him. And I, <laughs> I had the same feeling in Arizona when I got to pitch against Mike Leak and the Reds. And in 2014, I had just left mm. this ball club. I had raised half these guys in the game and I'm standing on the mound pitching against, uh, you know, Devin Mesoraco and Mike Leak. And, you know, uh, Frazier and all those guys and Jay Bruce and Joey Votto and this whole this whole cast of characters. And I I found myself giving up a grand slam to Devin Mesoraco in the second inning, I think. And I couldn't help but just smile, man, because it was like, you know, I I I didn't obviously want to get beat in the game. But at the end of the day, when, when you when you love people the way you do after you play with guys for six, seven years, 
you, you can't help but be happy for them to be happy as mm-hmm. well, even yeah. if it means that you're getting beat. And so I, I could see myself if I was thrown against a guy like Leek and I'd punched him out to win the World Series. I, I probably would have celebrated first, but I probably would have <laughs> been standing there thinking, man, I, you know, I, I, I wish that it wasn't you that was standing on the other side of this ball. I would hope that you wouldn't strike out Mike Leek to end a World Series game. That that, that manager, be a bad that manager, manager. Yeah, yeah, that would be the worst manager of college history. No, I know. But, but I, I just thought of it like, holy, no Mike, Mike Leek is to <laughs> end the World he Series, can race, man. He can You got to remember, bro, I'm pitching out of the bullpen in the 15th. <laughs> okay, and he's okay. the only guy left on the bench. <laughs> all right, all right. And, and he can't hit for a pitcher, that's so all right. right. That's <laughs> but that would be wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit man alright well w- w- you mentioned some of the, the past Reds that you played against they're having a uh, pretty terrible year this year understatement um, <laughs> and last year wasn't much better it was a, it was a pretty rough year last right. year to be a Reds fan when you're in the middle of a season like that how do you find the motivation to just keep going like just knowing that like every day you're going out there and just getting your dick yeah. kicked in well you'd be, you'd be surprised at how, at how um, you know, I, I would say uh, a, a three, four, five game span is about the most that it really resonates with your kind of your conscious. So, you know, you, you don't you don't remember no matter whether it's horrible or fantastic. If you started the season eight, no, or you started zero and eight, you know, once you're 60 games in like they are now or whatever, you don't remember that at all. It just it isn't there. Yeah, it's just too far removed mm-hmm. to be to have any kind of emotional connection to it. And so you really are going kind of maybe two series at a time. I'd say six days is about the longest you can really remember and feel what it was like to lose or win. And so when you go into Kansas City like they have the last three games and you win three in a row, literally the rest of the season doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter because for one, you know you've got a bunch of games coming up ahead of you yeah. that you're trying to win and you're trying to be clear mind and you're trying to be positive about. And also the last things that we can remember is that we just came back one in the 10th inning. Joey Votto hit a gapper to, to, to win this thing. And, um, you know, so it, it's, it's not as hard as you would think on a day-to-day basis. I would say the time of year that it gets tough is in September. If you're completely out of the race mm. and, bunch of young guys are coming up and now they're asking people to play who shouldn't be playing because maybe they want to they want to test some of the young guys and see what they've got before next year and a guy like Brandon Phillips has to maybe sit on the bench when he shouldn't be sitting right. on the bench or Scooter Jeanette mm-hmm. and they can become frustrating then and and the the season can get long and you're and you're hoping this thing will end but right now where they are this is pre-all-star break if you ask anybody in that ball club right now man what's the mentality in that locker room they're all going to say man we're having a good time there's no doubt in my mind because huh. they started off so bad. Yeah. They also made a change in the manager and, and the manager right. and the pitching coach, mm-hmm. and things have gotten a little bit better. And they're they're digging hard. You can see that the team is playing tough. They're giving they're putting more pressure on other ball clubs. You know, you're hoping that that, that Sal and and Mally and these guys and Castillo are, are starting to to get it a little bit, and that ERA is going to come from a five five down to a four. You know, you're hoping that's happening, and and. Is all you can be is optimistic because there's just nothing that you can pull out of the pessimism that you feel like is going to help you. Yeah. So the point is you just don't live in that. And like I said, you're just living in this small snapshot of the season. So you're obviously still kind of keeping an eye on what they're doing, and you, you're obviously very aware of the, the recent outings. Let's talk about Shohei Otani. And what he's done this year, right as soon as, of course, he gets right. injured just Crap before the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were about to talk about him. But what he's doing is pretty much unprecedented. I mean, you have to go back yeah. to Babe Ruth to where it's like, how 
how hard is it to do what he's doing? And, and like, how impressive it is is it when you when you look at it from? I mean, you're a pitcher, and you you had to hit yep. a, most of your career. I mean, he's doing it only every so often and taking the days off and all that. But how hard right. is it to do what he's doing, and oh, how impressive true. is it? Listen, just to be able to do two things at the, the highest level on the planet is almost impossible, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. It's, it's, it's really tough to be that good at two different things. And, and I, I said from the beginning, I, I, didn't, I don't think he could pull it off, but I was also talking about in a context where he wouldn't be DHing, where he'd be actually playing the field, yeah. right? right? So Because I know what it feels like to throw seven, eight innings and then have to get those workouts in and get those treatments and do all that stuff to get prepared for the next uh, start five days later. And then to go out and have to run and maybe smash into a wall and steal second base and do all those things, I, I don't think it's possible in the in the long run. Now, if you're DHing, it's definitely more possible because mm-hmm. you know just taking four at bats and not ha- and just running the bases is a totally different ballgame than right. having to play defense. Um, but even that being said, I mean, what he's doing is absolutely astonishing. I mean, the guy's got crazy power to the opposite field, um, and, and and you know he he's he looked terrible in spring training. And he started the season, and it shows you, one, that spring training doesn't mean a whole lot, and two, right. um, you know, he looks like a guy who could dominate on either end. How long it will last that he could do both, I'm not so sure. I was going to say, that was my question, because, I mean, as soon as this injury, as soon as they announced, all right, he's got this elbow injury, I thought, well, that's going to be the end of this experiment, because, you know, at some point, they're going to want to lock him in on one thing and just right. say, all right, this is what you are. And I'd imagine that they get the most bang for their buck, if he's a lights out pitcher. So with this type of injury, that means they're just going to nix the DH type thing. And I mean, I don't know. They, they haven't completely knocked him out for the year yet, but there's talk that, you know, right, he will right. be. And so, I mean, what do you think he ultimately ends up as? And they just say, all right, this is what you're doing. And we're just not going to bother. Yeah. Him. Honestly, he's so good on both ends. It's, it's, it's a pretty toss up, man. I mean, when I, when I look at him, I, I think for my eyes, as far as, I mean, look, starting pitching is more valuable than any position player, probably, if you're going right. to be a dominant starting pitcher, right? But for my eyes, when I watch him, I think he's, I think he's, uh, I think he's probably a little bit better hitter than he is a pitcher um, in comparison to the rest of the league. That, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he hits the ball opposite way. I think he's got tremendous power. He, he, he can hit soft stuff better than most guys of his age going to the opposite field. But, you know, we haven't seen him play over the long haul you know what 100 miles an hour plays like over the long haul right if he can throw strikes and just be halfway crafty um you don't know what the hitting hitting ability does but um i don't know man it's 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 a strange thing to see a guy who could be that successful on both ends and the thing that is helping him is that he's a right-handed thrower he hurt his right arm and but he swings from the left side, mm-hmm. which means his right arm doesn't really have to extend that right, much, right? Right. So it actually helps him. He'll be able to come back and hit earlier than most guys would if he was a right-handed swinger. And so I don't know what's going to happen when he comes back, man. I mean, he's fortunate that he's in the American League and he gets the opportunity to possibly just continue to DH and throw. But this injury will change something. But what that is, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, because when, when you look at the player, he looks like a hitter. But then you see the pitching results and you're like, man, if a guy can do that, yes. why wouldn't you you let him do that? And I just got to think from the Angels' standpoint, I think when they went into it, it was – all right, he's an amazing pitcher, and whatever we get out of him hitting-wise will be kind of house money. And, and, and for that team specifically, that's what they needed because they've got all the hitting in the world, or at least enough hitting to win, right. but they never had a dominant pitcher. And so that's kind of where they're missing. Right. And so I, I just feel like eventually they were going to lock him into pitching. But 
it sucks to think that they would take him away from hitting because it's right. so amazing. Right. Well, the cool the cool thing for him is, I mean, look, there, there's always that question mark, and the guy, guys like Rick Ankio who actually did pull it off, mm-hmm. um, they, it doesn't happen every day, but there's always that huge question mark. We already know this kid can pitch in the big leagues. Yeah. We know he can hit in the big leagues, right? right? So at the end of the day, if his arm just doesn't hold up, he Turn can go hit. I mean, it's, hitter, look, yeah, as, yeah. as good as my body feels right now, if I could hit like him, I'd play another seven years in the big leagues, <laughs> right? Because because yeah. I, w- I wouldn't need my arm, and the rest of my body feels fine. But you know, we most of us weren't born with that with that uh, blessed with that type Too of ability. ability. So I think I think you're underselling yourself, Bronson, because we got a text from uh, uh, Buddy Boyle who said, "Remind everyone that Bronson hit two home runs off of Glennon Rush from the Cubs in the same round." <laughs> so that's true. You're I hit, selling yourself short. Hey, man. When, when I was in Washington, we're taking batting practice every day down there with the Nationals, <laughs> and, and and man, Max Scherzer is a freaking competitor, bro. He don't want to lose in nothing. No way. And, and so we're we're like we're like taking batting practice every day and they're joking around and usually early in the spring I haven't swung a bat in the off season and so I don't hit I don't hit that great in spring and just don't have a lot of pop. And then it comes as as the season goes on and, and somebody said something about Bronson hitting six homers and Max was like, What? He's like, Who? He's like, Bronson, like, Bronson how many homers you hit in the big league? I said six. He's like, No way. Because I can barely hit the ball past second base at that point. But it, it always takes me a little bit to get to get some juice. <laughs> All right, well, we've got uh, we, we poor have man's a, Mike Hampton. <laughs> right. We have a Facebook group for the show, and uh, it has sparked a lot of controversial uh, debates. Don't we, try to roll your eyes over how stupid these questions. Yeah, are. Yeah, these are but, really right. dumb questions. But, but we the, need these to have been in. raging debates. I mean, these it's it's unreal how many posts these questions generate and how serious okay. people. Yeah, about. people get their people are locked into their their uh, choices here. So first up, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, wow, man. You guys really are. <laughs> <laughs> we hit oh, him with the hard serious shit, bro. <laughs> Charlie Rose Damn, type I like, questions. I was like talking that. about A-Rod eating a hot dog on TV, and it looked like he didn't know if he had ever eaten one before. Now you hit me with this? <laughs> I like that every question we've asked, you're just like, yeah, man, you just boom right into it, and then hot Not dog is a sandwich. You're like, oh, shit. All right, my answer That's, is no. Oh, man. Hot dog is not a sandwich. That's it. All right, guys. Good night. We are done here. I am out. The debate has been settled. Your wife and now Bronson Royal. My favorite baseball player of all time and my wife now agree. uh, There it goes. Hot dog's not a sandwich. Uh, Bronson, plain cake donuts, yay or nay? Yay. Oh, that's Whoa, a, that's a I'm shocker. all about yeah. the plain cake donuts. Just dip what? them in the milk, man. You see, because then you don't feel Damn so see, guilty about all that coffee. extra now my, on top. My coworker is the one coffee. who brought up that question. He's going to give me so much yep. shit. I'm good. I'm glad. Right. I'm glad you lost one too. Yeah, here. that's fine. Jordan right. or LeBron? Jordan or LeBron? Yeah, I'm taking Jordan. The easy one. That's that a good. Easy. Yeah, it's a good choice. Uh, is Tiger Woods back? No. Thank you. In your face, what up, Joe? <laughs> no. He's Bronson Royer 2017. He's still got to prove it, man. Still got to prove it, bro. And there's always, always that chance he just might break down real soon. All right. When you button up a button-up shirt, do you button from the bottom up or top down? Top down. Motherfucker. That's, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a real tough one. That's a Damn tough loss to take down. on that. <sighs> that's a big L to take right there. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Jim. All right, uh, when you're when you're putting on pants, do you zip the pants and then button, or button then zip? I button then zip. All right, good. Son of good. a yep, bitch. That's a, I'm man. taking all the L's. Yep. You know what though? I'm gonna take the W from the hot dog one. <laughs> that, that to me is the biggest one. So you know whatever. Final question. And this is going to a guy who's not a beer fan. So keep that in mind, everybody listening. Are IPAs just pumpkin spice lattes for white dudes? 
No, I think I mean listen. Too many of my friends just they love the IPAs, brother. I can't, I can't, I can't downplay them like that. But, but are they white? And are they the version of pumpkin spice lattes for white girls? I mean, are, yeah. I, I feel like that's still kind of a yes. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I appreciate you weighing in on those. Very hot topics. Yeah, you guys still got be... me on the hot dog one, man. I'm thinking, yes. what, what, what is a sandwich? What, what is that's, that's, that's what that's the debate the, is. Sure. For, me, for me, it's got to be like, you got to be able to load it from the top, dude. You can't load it from the side. That's why the hot dog is not a fucking sandwich. Okay, ah. so then is a, is a sub a sandwich? If you go to Subway, are you getting a sandwich? They open it up. Yeah, because they open it all the way up. Well, they, they don't open it, it all the way up. They cut it. They cut partially. it. You're right. They yeah. cut it. And they cut it into a... They flip it in half. So yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing as a. Uh, nah, man. No. He's answered. Anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> no, I am gonna win. <laughs> Bronson right. over on this one. <laughs> we're gonna spend the next twenty minutes on this show, <laughs> me convincing Bronson that a hot dog is a sandwich. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> should we? Should we talk about the finals? I mean, we both can. of them. Yeah. All right. Did you watch any of those? Any of the either the, the Stanley or Cup or? I saw just a little bit of both. All right, that's, that's, that, that's about both. how you probably like seen as much people. as the three of us. Yeah, although well, Joe probably Joe's, watched a little bit more NBA than we did. Joe would send text messages about. It. I'd be like, "Oh shit, there is a game going on." Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my mom, while we were on vacation last week, during the I think it was Game Four, it might have been Game Three. Either way, whatever night she was up there, she's like, "You gonna watch the game tonight?" And I'm like, "What game?" She's like, <laughs> "NBA Finals game." I'm like, "For what? The Warriors are gonna win?" She's like. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I just figured you'd be watching. No, nah, I don't waste time on games that I, I, I know the outcome. I know the outcome. There's, the there's, outcome. there's no point. <laughs> and that was where we sp- spent the entire season. I-, I said last year in July, before the season even began, it would be Warriors, Cavs. It was, and that the right. I, I had the Warriors winning in six back then. I stuck with that prediction, and so I actually the Warriors, uh, the Cavs actually made me look like I didn't know what I was talking about because they only won four games. What were the, what were the last? Three. That was the fourth time, right? That they played in a row, or third? That was fourth. That was the yeah, fourth time they played yeah, in a row. Yeah. And the other, no one got swept before. No. Right? And the Cavs, the first the Cavs only won one. Right. Out of, out of, they're right. three. They're one and three. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think you know a lot of people, I shit on LeBron a little bit, but I mean, the guys played with a totally different ball club. Every you know, single yeah. year, almost every single yeah. year, dude, and he's having to carry the load on his back, man. I mean, it's pretty amazing what he's done, regardless. Right. There's no denying LeBron's greatness. It's just. The overall predictability of the NBA and knowing that you could stack the deck with those guys on each of those teams or LeBron and six other dudes, whatever, and that's going to be the result. I mean, it's unlike any other sport in that way that Absolutely. I was able to say in July, Absolutely. Warriors, Cavs, and not, not once during the season, no matter what happened, you know, Houston looked like they may knock off the Warriors. The Cavs went through all that transition and all those things happened. And I just not once did I waver. I'm like, it, it'll be Warriors, Cavs. Right. And it was. Well, you've so. only got you only got five guys out on the court at one time. Right. Right. I right. Mean, every other sport has more players out on the court unless you're playing a single sport. So you, you have the opportunity for 20 percent of what's out on the court to dominate the game. It just can't happen in football or soccer or baseball, you know? Right. That's true. Uh, I got to oh, I gotta pay up my punishment. For, oh, you taking uh, a shot? What are you taking a shot for? Uh, this is for, because I picked the Cavs to win it all. Oh, uh, well, That was my... Bottoms up. Yep. Um, cheers to that. I thought you boys were drinkers. That's not supposed to be like a punishment. Oh, no, no. Well, no, no. It's punishment. It's just because, you know, just... The, it's not really we bet good. drinks. 
It's not really good to mix Fireball with like something like a, oh. a peanut butter chocolate. <laughs> and, a, and a lot of time, yeah, a lot of time, our punishments are way worse than than said liquor. I mean, if you mix Hypnotic with just about anything, it, it doesn't go down. Well, it's no good, so. right? Yeah. Well, I hadn't tried that since high school when I was mixing St. Ives and freaking malt, malt liquor and, and, and fucking Boone's Farm. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Well, and frequently I get iced. Yeah, and if you know what that is, so that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, so I mean that that's definitely a punishment when that happens. So <laughs> we, we have alcoholic punishments on this show where we consume plenty of alcohol. It's basically so. just an excuse to drink more. Because then right. when my wife gets mad, I'm like, no, I had to do it for the show. That's I lost right. the bet. Sorry, I had that's to right. take a shot for science. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not surprised by the outcome of that. I'm I'm surprised the Cavs got swept, but. I think that was the only surprise, right? I mean, but even that, I feel like after game one, after it was Jr. didn't call timeout yeah. and LeBron, like it Mentally was done. They were checked done. out of that series, yeah. and that's why I didn't really care at that point because you saw it, like all those videos that came out of LeBron screaming at Ty Lue on the sidelines, just pissed off that he didn't call timeout, uh, calling out Jr. Smith, like it was done when he walked out of that press conference and smoothed out his shorts and grabbed his purse and left. <laughs> It was over, man. It was done. Yeah. yeah. And I got I got to say, man, coming coming out with the fucking hand brace or the, the cast or whatever. At the end? That's brutal, bro. Yeah. Brutal, dude. It's a Listen, bad look. You go out. You just say what you got to say. We got our asses kicked, man. We got whooped. And then you go put the brace on when nobody yeah, else is around, right. dude. Even if that's true. Because, look, that's he's, a bad he's look. giving high fives. He's giving handshakes. He's playing three games after that. You can't. You can't make that part of the conversation yep. after the fact. No, yep. doubt. no doubt. Uh, very disappointing. We'd also like to mention that Bronson is wearing Jordans currently. The Jordan 11s, <laughs> for those of you who were wondering. So, I mean, there's no doubt what I'm, I'm becoming more so. fond, you know, of high-top shoes as I get a bit older. I, I didn't think... Uh, I would usually want to wear these, man. And over the years, I'm, I'm look as my, soon as my you, jeans are getting skinnier, and I'm starting to wear <laughs> high, high tops a bit. As soon as you walked up, I was like, "He's wearing Jordan 11s." I mean, you know, I, <laughs> oh, bro, it amazes me, man. I'll go out to a baseball camp like uh, with the kids, and they know exactly. Yo, those are the 72 tens, bro. Those are dope. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know that, bro? 72 tens. I didn't even know what that was until Winker told me. <laughs> That's impressive. I can't pick them out. I'm like, those are shoes. I know you can't, but as a sneaker guy once and still, and especially when it comes to Jordans, it was like, oh, sh- the original. I'm like, they're not are. white New Balances. They're cool shoes then. <laughs> like, that's, that's the only delineation I know. If it's a white New Balance, it's not. you're not supposed to wear that. That's the dad shoe. Should, should we talk about the NHL? Yeah, I mean, let's do That uh, was a little bit more shocking. That was, well, and it, it was kind of a, uh, an interesting series because you had a team that had never won a Stanley Cup before. Somebody was going to win it, uh, whether that was Vegas in their first year or Washington in their however many years years uh joe was all on the vegas bandwagon on I think, that one but i think we all were though i mean i don't think no no no. but he we, picked vegas and no, he lost so right he but i'm just saying in general one. though nobody ever thought washington was gonna make it to the finals then they do no, we all thought and they we, were losing to pittsburgh and, like they do every well year. And, and every single round is like all right well okay so they won but they'll lose here right uh, oh wait nope they're in the finals ah well no they'll still lose here oh no they didn't like yeah. that was the weirdest part was that they just kept going and they finally won it all so I think it's good that Ovechkin got his his cup. I only think it's good because of how he celebrated. He yeah, is celebrated he is. like I could only we talked about it earlier. Like, it I is. would definitely celebrate exactly like Ovechkin celebrated. <laughs> Just no fucks given since he's won right. everywhere with it. That's that's the way you got to do it if you've never won it and been the oh, league. He went, that he long. went straight Gronk, Gronkowski on us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean he's doing cake he, stands he's out of out the Gronk. Gronk, though. Yeah. I mean it's been nuts. He, I, I'm pretty sure Ovechkin is still drunk. 
Yeah, like, no, that I, dude I mean, has I, not been I wake up and look, I'm like, did he do anything else crazy? I mean, he's got to have done something <laughs> because Listen, it's dude, every day. Those guys are a different breed, bro. I remember yeah, we were, I was in AAA one time playing in Sacramento. Guys went up and watched uh, – hockey game and they came back and like listen we're never going to complain about injuries he said i saw a dude icing his both his knees both of his shoulders and his face and he was riding the bike after the game you know what <laughs> i mean like he's like hockey not complaining anymore nuts, about a sore shoulder man, man. yeah they are they nuts. are different breed man that's crazy uh vegas was super excited though that vegas lost as in the casinos Cause yeah, because they didn't want to pay all those those crazy bets that anybody had. What taken was it? Five hundred to one odds. Yes, to start the season. Yeah, to start yeah, the and season. there was wow. like was like five, four or five people that had taken the bet when it was at those. There were like huge payouts. Not yeah. four or five people that took the bet. Four or five people that it would have been like in the millions in payouts. Well, that's what, that's what I'm won. saying. Like four or five people that were going to. That's not even that stood to That's make not a even counting amount. the thousands of people that right. put down like. 50 bucks. And right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was going to be a disaster for Vegas. If the funniest Vegas part is the, the next group of idiots when a, an expansion team comes in who's like, oh, man, Vegas did it that one time in hockey. I'm totally going to put all this money on it, trying to get, trying to capitalize. Gruden's our coach. I'm putting it. And they're winning the Super Bowl, <laughs> And then baby. realize five minutes later that, oh, wait, that's a once-in-a-lifetime type thing. Expansion right. teams don't actually – Ever do that? Right. So, do you think they do you think they do anything worthwhile next year, or do you think that team is done? Well, that's that's the question now because that's what I was thinking. Okay, so they get swept, and they, but they make it the finals in their first year, and they're it's all highs. They didn't but, get swept, right? There wasn't a sweep in oh, that wait, one. It wasn't. No. Oh, how no, many did they, they did they win? One? I think they won one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I, for some, I lost track of the series because doing it with the NBA. But okay, so they won one. But they come back, right, and they weren't supposed to do that. So how does year two go when there's kind of all these expectations, right? I mean, because they're not going to lose anything. They're going to come in, and everybody's like, hey, here's this team that did miraculously, and they made the final. I mean, why wouldn't they at least come close to it again? I got to think, think they, they don't even make the playoffs next year or something crazy like that. It's a very real like possibility. Like yeah. they're, I mean, it's a sophomore slump type situation. It's where- lightning in a bottle that they caught this year. I I couldn't imagine them doing that next year. Like, not even close. No, I, I definitely don't think they come back next year. I think they might make the playoffs just because they've got a good teams core make of. The playoffs, yeah, well, that oh, too. Okay. Yeah. Like, who, who, everybody. Was, who was there? Did they get players from, like, an expansion team? Yeah, there's yeah. an expansion players? draft. So, who was their stud? Who was their. Uh, Marc Andre Fleury, their goalie, yeah, was, their goalie like, was they the built most the team named around him. Yeah. player. And, yeah. and that's the other thing, too. Fleury has now gone to the Stanley Cup three years in a row. Because back to back years with Pittsburgh. And then, and, uh, then, yeah. and then again with Vegas. Which, by the that's way, got a fucking wear on a dude, right? I don't think like, I realized I mean, until halfway through the season that he was their goalie. And I thought, how did he get away from Pittsburgh? Because. Like how did Pittsburgh expose them? Pittsburgh to the had uh, they had another goalie coming up that they wanted to like. Okay, essentially, so they were ready to move on from okay, Flurry, right, and okay, they were just all like, "All right, he's eligible for the draft. So if you if you don't take him, we'll keep him. But if you do take him, we're not that yeah. Good luck, for man. It, yeah. Okay. Uh, and and then he I wondered he that. played lights out last year. I mean, he had it. Well, he did exactly what he did for the Pittsburgh years, which was right. play crazy in the playoffs. And I think that's why Pittsburgh was willing to let him go. A lot of times, he's just kind of whatever in the regular season, but then flipped the switch in the playoffs, and so it was, uh, they wanted more consistency. Yeah, I just feel like that team, because he's he's now gone three seasons where they they went he went the full distance. Right. I think eventually that wear and tear has got to show up on him, and they I, I just don't see them having the same success next year. I think they could do well. I think they could still be a decent team, but I don't yeah. think 
I don't think Come on, bro. The Buffalo Bills went back four times. In a row. <laughs> Jim Kelly still had some left in the tank after three. <laughs> they can pull it off Don twice. <laughs> uh, let's talk real quick. Uh, uh, the World Cup started today. Oh, did it? Sure did, man. Oh, cool. Uh, I checked out on the World Cup last year when the U.S. didn't qualify, <laughs> so that's cool. Brunson, do you follow soccer Ooh. at all, man? Closest I get to soccer is watching Pearl Jam in Rio. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> That's it, man. Well, there I you have, have it. I have no idea about international soccer. Like, I don't follow it enough. Uh, yeah. um, I know, like, the big teams that it's like, yeah, you could probably put money on Brazil, and that's a fairly safe bet to win the World Cup, but... It's just because it's Brazil, and I feel like they're always or Argentina. Like you bet on Argentina, and that's a the saddest part about it to me. When I was thinking about all right, everything's gets started up today, and I I already knew you know when the U.S. got eliminated, I was like, all right, I'm done, I'm checked out. But I was already like, all right, can we fast forward to next year when the women are playing? Because I mean, the women, our women will be rocking, and I'll be all into that. I mean, I know more (laughs) about the damn women's team and care more about it. That's that's the whole like sad part about the men's team is that I'm like I don't think it's a sad part no I mean, I mean it's not sad and then it's it's sad for the fact that the men can't even qualify to compete I mean it's not like alright I wouldn't support them and it's like it's sad that oh well, I gotta settle for these women no it's sad that the men couldn't even get there I mean uh, yeah. I think Scott's just pissed because when the guys rip their shirts off after a goal it ain't no big deal <laughs> but when the women do it's like what yeah. <laughs> I mean there's also that I mean you know. Scott just likes watching the dirties that's all <laughs> And my wife's asleep now. We can say that. I know. Nobody wants to see dudes sliding around shirtless. True. <laughs> that was uh, the the. It started today. Russia beat Saudi Arabia in the the opening, opening game. Match, yeah. uh, five nothing. I think was the the final in that one. Uh, good for Russia. I yeah, knew they cool. were going to win. Should we talk one. about the bigger deal? The fact that the U.S. Or, well, yes, the entire yeah, I was going to get to that, America. but okay, yeah, go ahead, yeah, man. Let's you just slide do, on you there. Do you. Yeah. North America getting the bid for 2026 to host the, the, the World Cup. Cincinnati is listed as a potential site. I'm we not going to lie. See. I said on the podcast I was on earlier, I hope that we don't get it. <laughs> and that's not me being a hater for against Cincinnati or anything. I, just don't, I, I love the idea that the World Cup is in the United States. I don't love it being where I am because it creates a lot of <laughs> chaos and stuff. Right. Like, Oh, let it be in Indy. Uh, let it be in some drive Chicago, a drivable distance. But don't bring, yeah, don't bring it here because it just brings all the issues. And if I still work at Channel Nine, it's going to be an extra headache. Like I can't enjoy things when they're here. I can enjoy them when they're on the periphery. Dude, we're about to have the newest soccer stadium in the United States. But it wouldn't even be there. It'd be at Paul Brown, no matter what, yeah. because Paul Brown is the one that's equipped to handle it. Like that stadium that they're going to build for FC isn't going to be up to world. Cup standards. I mean, no, it hasn't they, been built yet. No, I you know, don't think they have to have you don't seats. think burning is like it, they have to have capacity enough. And no matter what, that that stadium isn't going to have capacity enough to fill out for a World Cup. All right, game, well then, so. in that case, I don't want it in Cincinnati because I don't want to hear douchebags complaining that well, we paid all this money for a stadium and they're. There, playing I mean, there's it a lot of things. Like I said, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it's guys. easier if it's outside of the city. Like, I'll go say two day, baby. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to be at a World Cup game. I don't want the World Cup to be in my backyard. <laughs> didn't LA just get? Uh, they just got the Olympics for something, didn't they? Los Angeles, oh, I think man. they might have yeah. just got the 2020 Olympics, or I, I think they did. And it, but it also, it's like that's those cities are more equipped to handle stuff like that. Right. Not right. that Cincinnati's not because they're obviously one of the finalists, but it's just 
the the other cities have bigger stadiums that are more right. new, and if with like Paul Brown, they'd have to do renovations and stuff. And, well, and I was I was in Rio in March seeing stuff. Pearl Jam, and um, you could see all the buildings where they had the Olympics there, and they just weren't being used. I mean, literally, you're, talk, you're talking abandoned. like all the pools, right. high dives, just full of algae. There's like they do nothing with them, so it's it's like literally just tearing that, the city up. That's it's what happens unreal. in all these second and third world countries. They they get all this money and all these things to build these stadiums and then they're just completely eliminated afterwards. Right. And There's that, nothing to do with them afterwards. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's why when they say, all right, it's going to be in North America and most of the sites are going to be in the U.S., I mean, it sucks to say for the rest of the world, but it should generally be in places that can handle it like that. Like, I mean, where, you know, it, it, countries in Europe where those stadiums aren't going to be abandoned and it's not just a drain on the local economy that already can't right. afford it to just spend billions to yeah. build this stuff. Because, I mean, they're going to, the stadiums they're going to now are the ones that are already built. Like here, you know, San Francisco and Atlanta's probably definitely going to be one and all these. These are all stadiums that have been built within the last couple of years that can handle it. So... I'm good. <laughs> Actually, the beer, the beer tastes great, honestly. But <laughs> just wave it off. It's just like a... It, it's a strange feeling, man. I don't know. The, bu- the buzz from alcohol is kind of a numbing... Feeling I don't really, I don't really love it, man. <laughs> I understand. That's I can, cool. I got no problem cracking. I can. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'll chug this real quick. Yeah, we split the last. Mine, we'll split yeah. that, baby. Uh, <laughs> all right, Joe. You said there's a there's a question from the comments. Yes. Uh, so, as a pro athlete, do you think an individual player's success and legacy should be measured by the number of championships won? Is that one of the biggest factors for no. success? I don't That's, think it's one. Of, I don't think it's one of the setup. biggest. Yeah, no, that's. A I don't. I don't think it's one of the top ones at all. You know, I mean, I, I think because, you know, it's there's too many variables to to, to be a championship team. You got to have a team around you, right? And regardless of even if it's basketball, and there's four other guys. Well, we're talking about LeBron, but he can't win it all by himself. Yeah. And if you're playing baseball, you're one of nine guys, if not more, that are coming. You know, because guys are coming out of the bullpen every night, so you're, you're playing with eleven, twelve, thirteen guys every single night. If you put up fantastic numbers your whole career. Your legacy shouldn't depend on that. I think it can add to the legacy. I just don't think it should take anything away from you if you um, if you don't get there. So you want to reconsider that Jordan Lebron? No, I, I think, no, no, not, no. I, I don't think they were so. totally no, setting to, you up with that question. Yeah, though. right. That's, but to whoever Bronson, asked yeah. that was definitely setting you to up. To Bronson's point, though, in baseball, it's it much Lou the dog. It, uh, it's much it different though because. You know, a guy goes out and throws and wins 300 games, but he never wins a ring. Like, his legacy is cemented no matter what. Yeah, right. Just because he he could have pitched with a zero it's ERA. It's the Dan he, Marino right. effect. Right, Dan yeah. Marino I mean, if he is, never is, got is, run support, then it didn't matter. Dude, like, Ken Griffey Jr. never made it to the playoffs except once at the very end of his career with the White Sox. And he just got traded over there. Wow. I don't think I ever no, realized. Wait, wait. No, no okay. was, In Seattle, he was, was in gonna once. I was going to say, the 95. Early on in 95. Yeah, 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 after yeah, yeah. that, after yeah, that yeah. he never was in. He never won a ring. Which and is so crazy. two times he's in the playoffs in like 20-something years. That is kind of bananas. Well, but and, you can't and that say. Doesn't cha- I was going to say, and that doesn't change my perception of Ken Griffey Jr. Absolutely. as a baseball right. player. Like He's one of the all-time greats. Regardless. I feel like, well, I feel in fact, like I feel in baseball, you actually feel like sad for a guy like that versus... In basketball, you're like, ah, well, that well, guy just that's, couldn't hack That's it. what I was going to say. Sport by sport, it's different. Baseball tends to be more forgiving when it comes to that because there is a lot more parity. You do see teams that just 
flare up and and it's their year and you know all of a sudden where the hell did the royals come from and now they got a world series championship like i feel like baseball is more forgiving with the lack of rings you know to, well, to determine and, a better and to expand that to use your dan marino thing then football somewhere in the middle right because exactly. every other position exactly. besides quarterback isn't measured right by yeah, yeah 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 you're you can have a great wide receiver that's never won a super bowl and they're still it doesn't tarnish their legacy right yeah. but except for the quarterback position but then right. when it comes to basketball it's all about the rings and that's the all they care yeah, about the because you can players. make that more impact you know, on yeah, the team. That's why Robert Ory is one of the greatest players of all time <laughs> in <laughs> Six rings, big game, that's Bob. Right. Big shot, Bob. Big that's shot, right. Bob. There it is. But there that is. isn't why I would say Jordan, you know, at, at this point, I don't think. No. You yeah. know, I don't think that that's the reason why, just because, because LeBron's not done, for one. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I think um, just because if you get to the finals like he has – and and you haven't won as many as Michael has. I just don't think you could. If you have listen, if he scores ten thousand more points in his career than Jordan ever did, and he goes to the finals twelve times and only wins three of them or whatever it is, I still think you got to say he's probably the greatest player that ever played the game. Yeah. It's, not, it's not about just the rings all the time because mm-hmm. you just you need help. I just knew they were totally setting you up with right. that question. That's another. That's uh, yeah. that's, that's why it was another one of those heated debate questions in the group, like split fifty fifty. All right, uh, Joe. Before we get into the polls, do you want to do any whale watching? Okay, we're going to skip whale watching tonight. We'll bring that out next That's week. That's fine. We don't need whale watching, right? <laughs> then let's uh, let's get into um, let's do consumer Canet first. How about that? Sounds good to me. Consumer Canet brought to you by Tavor. Uh, go to our website, craftrootsports.com. Click the sponsors link. You get a uh, ten dollars credit to your account after your first order at Tavor. Uh, Bronson, we'll start with you, man. This week we had Big Gruesome, a chocolate peanut butter uh, stout from Springhouse Brewing. What'd you think of it, man? I, I thought it was great. It didn't for me. It was smooth on the backside. It also, um, you know, you tasted other flavors there that you don't normally get in, in, in beers at all, which I thought was more enjoyable because, I'd, like I said, I'd probably rather eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich than drink a, a Corona. So, so for me, the big gruesome is doing it, baby. Listen, if I'm going camping, I'm taking a big gruesome. <laughs> Also setting the bar low there because I'd probably rather eat a peanut butter sandwich than drink a Corona too. But that's just because I really like peanut butter and you know Springhouse Brewing is going to be like like they're going to contact us and be like, can we use that clip? Can we use Bronson Royal? Bronson Royal would take his shit camping. That's going to be there. You're going to see that commercial like if Bronson Royal was going camping, he'd bring Big (laughs) Bruiser. No, and that's great. What's great though is getting a, a. non-beer drinker for the most part's perspective on these beers. Yeah, so many yeah. times our guests and obviously us beer drinkers and right. so it's skewed when I mean, we rarely yeah, yeah. get anything where people are like and eh, I gotta drink it because eh, I just don't like it it's just whatever but I'm gonna go ahead and give it a consume. I uh, I will say there's much better peanut butter chocolate stouts out there. This is not one of my favorites. We've had a couple on the show. I've had a few off the show and I mean if you're looking for that real hardcore peanut butter flavor this isn't going to do it for you. It's a lot heavier on the dark chocolate, and it's it's real muted. Like the peanut, it, it just tastes like peanuts and chocolate versus peanut butter. Yeah, you're right. Like when I first started but this, that, that peanut flavor was like super strong. Disappeared. The more you got into it, the more that peanut flavor disappeared. And I I'm big into if I'm gonna have a peanut butter chocolate stout, I want it to taste like a Reese's cup. Right. And it definitely changed. And maybe that's just my fault for drinking three of them. Like that could be. That could be a me problem and not a beer problem. (laughs) Well, yeah, but nah, uh, but beer's got to hold up, man. It's got to hold up. I'm still going to consume it. It's still a good beer, uh, and I would definitely say if you uh, if you're into those, drink you know, pick this one up if you see it. Uh, But you're right; there are 
better peanut butter chocolate sauce out there. Sweet right. Baby Jesus Nutcase, which isn't nut even case. chocolate. That's right. just a peanut butter porter. That's a good one. And maybe it's because it's a stout, not a porter. That could be the difference, too, because stouts have that little bit more yeah. of a bite to it than a porter does. I never thought about um, that. Because they all kind of sit in the same realm, I guess, the, the stouts and the porter. So it's not... Oh, didn't, I see. Didn't knock it off. I see. Yeah. I see how it is. I'm just saying. <laughs> they all look the same. They all look alike. Yeah, they all yeah, look alike. Okay. Oh, all the dark beers look alike. Cool, That's man. Right. All right. Well, that got weird. As <laughs> uh, I consume a can, it brought to you by Tavor. Uh, this week, our motherfucker of the week poll, we had Kobe Bryant versus Charles Barkley. Scott, you want to refresh us on why they were picked? <clears throat> Kobe Bryant decided he was going to tell LeBron that he should have done what he never did in his career, and that's pass and trust his teammates more, while Charles Barkley talked shit about anybody who uh, said that LeBron was better than Jordan and that he would punch them in the face and then proceeded to duck out when he saw LeBron in a tunnel <laughs> leaving game four. Um, I actually didn't get a chance to vote for this one. Right, well, um, I can do it right do now. That, I'm going to do it right now, that. but I'm going to tell you. Okay. Oh, well, go ahead. And yeah, let's, we were, let's have Bronson. Yeah. Bronson. Who's, who's your motherfucker? Who's your motherfucker of the week on this? I'm one, definitely right? going with Charles because he had to, he had to punch <laughs> LeBron in the face in order, in order to get out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, one vote for Charles there. Uh, Scott, who's your pick? Kobe's a motherfucker no matter what he's doing. Mm-hmm. That's just, where I'm just, at. Just waking up, I'm like, oh, wait, that's right, Kobe? He raped somebody. He's a motherfucker. Boom! You, you took it right out of <laughs> words out of my mouth. Kobe is yeah. a rapist. Uh, I will never miss an opportunity to remind people that. So Kobe Bryant is my motherfucker. I'd also like to mention, even if that hadn't happened, he was still the motherfucker. Of the no, if that hadn't us. happened, I would have picked Chuck. Nah. Because you can't hide from the guy after you talk all that shit. You can't sit there and say the things that you that everybody told you during your career that you didn't do and then be like, yeah, that dude should have told me that. That's every single person that talks politics in our country. No, they, they're enough. 100% hypocritical. But Chuck was like, no, I'm going to slap people in the face. Oh, was that LeBron? I'm going to hang over here and, <laughs> and hid like a bitch. Hey, he hid on. like a bitch. But he didn't say he would slap LeBron. If That's LeBron true. He said, said he'd slap he anybody. anybody in general. I mean, you were me. He did say. I bet you he would have been He did say he'd hit Draymond Green. He <laughs> backed off of that one real quick when somebody was like, Draymond's right downstairs if you want to go talk to him. He was like, no, I was just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, Joe, who you got? But Kobe's a rapist, so Kobe. Who, me? <laughs> There's only one person named Joe on this. So, so the poll answer is 68% to Kobe Bryant. Wow. Yeah. There it is. The rapist loses again. I mean, that was easy. <laughs> that was easy. It was like taking candy from a baby. Uh, all right. Well, there's your motherfucker of the week. Um, we, don't have, we need a sponsor for motherfucker of the week. We do. Uh, so if you guys know anybody, hit Shout us up. Shout out to 12-Ounce Sports. Hell yeah, this is our station we, debut. Yeah, we did not shout them out at the top of the show, but we are now part of the 12 Ounce Sports Network. So you guys can catch us on, obviously, here live every week uh, when we run. But what's the other time slot that they, they threw us in? Uh, they're just going to replay it throughout the week. So, throughout the week? So right. we'll be live so on their TuneIn app uh, every week at our normal time. So if you're on the go, you can't get us on YouTube, pull us up on uh, 12 Ounce Sports TuneIn. But you can also uh, catch the replays throughout the week. Tons of good shows on that network, too. There's a there's a lot of good programming. Make sure you check them out. Support them. Uh, thank you, 12 Ounce Sports, for having us. And Bronson, thank you for being on the show, man. Dude, really appreciate it. Yeah, man, our that, man. This that's, was, a, that's an hour and a half went by. That was quick. I know, right? It goes, <laughs> right? It goes really, that's what I'm saying. Last time was only an hour, and we were like... 
that could have been a long show well, and, if he and, wasn't tied up. And last time we were like, we, all right, man. He says he's got an hour. We got to get him out of here. We, do, we don't want to fuck <laughs> this up. Bro. We got to get him out of here. It goes by fast. I was going to say, now we hung out with you for a few hours, both before the show and during the show. Yeah. And it's like, it still went just as fast. But thank you so much yeah, man, for really coming back for on the show. Me on, boys. Yeah. We'll, we'll have you on again. Oh sure. yeah, man! Absolutely, you're welcome anytime. You, you, you got just, the pass. I mean, if you just show up one night that's it. and say we're, we're doing in, the huh? show, like, hey, I, <laughs> I was in the area. I want to do the pod on a Thursday. Guess what? Whoever's we could have a guest lined up. Yep. And be like, hey, you gotta Boot go. It. Boot it, Bronson's <laughs> here. Bronson's here, bro. You got bumped. Uh, thanks so much again, Bronson. Really, really appreciate, appreciate it, man. It, man. Yep. Uh, you guys can follow the show at Crafty Sports. Uh, follow Scott at Scott K underscore Junior. Follow me at Mike Burlon. Hey, shout out to Glenn Pleasant, our newest. Yep, social media, social media coordinator. Really appreciate you uh, hopping on, Glenn, and helping us out. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Hit us all up. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Cheers, everybody. We out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.